1: and welcome to the Hockey Minds podcast. This podcast is powered by my hockey resource and Instat, the leader in video and data analysis. Instat Hockey supports all levels of our game worldwide with video breakdowns and or scouting services. For more information, visit Instat on the web at instatsport.com or on Twitter at InstatHockey. Today I'm joined by Colby Droz, president and founder at Paragon Sports Consulting. Colby brings a lot of experience on the team side, in addition to his role as an agent. Having spent time in the new USHL, among other stops, he has a broad range of viewpoints, and it generates a lot of great insight and conversation throughout. With that, here is Colby Drost, president and founder of Paragon Sports Consulting. Today, we're joined by Colby Drost. President and founder of Paragon Sports Consulting. Colby, thanks for joining the podcast. Thanks for having me, Ryan. With all
0: uh, everything going on, I'm uh, always looking to talk hockey and share my experiences and obviously
1: uh, talk about some interesting topics about the game. Definitely. As, uh, you know, doing a number of these episodes now, I think it's one of my favorite uh, parts of the week, being able to talk hockey and different topics and, and learn about people's careers and yours specifically today. I think is an interesting one, which a lot of people will uh, learn some uh, key insight from. So let's talk about your upbringing, maybe talk about playing sports early on and and kind of just where you're from and some more information on you personally. Yeah, yeah, again, appreciate
0: uh, you having me on. But yeah, my upbringing's, um, it's, a, it's a, I grew up in New Jersey, uh, in North Jersey. It was, it's about uh, probably, you know, on, with traffic 45 minutes from uh, New York City. Uh, County area. So, a uh, little suburb there. And uh, I have an older brother, younger sister, um, a father who uh, he works extremely hard, runs a, a car uh, part distributor business. And uh, my mom was a, was a stay at home and she, you know, did all the running around with hockey. But yeah, I was lucky that I had parents that were really supportive, um, you know, whether you want to do school, piano, hockey. Um, you know, they just made sure that we were in the best situation and had the means to, as far as, you know, at least to be able to do whatever we were looking to do. Um, but, uh, like I said, I, I grew up, I played, uh, for hockey at a young age, um, found myself in AAA playing at the North Jersey avalanche. So I'm sure a lot of people know that program, uh, cause they're kind of rolling right now. And then uh, we used to have a league, uh, called the Metropolitan Junior Hockey League which had a lot of young kids I, I was 16 at the time and it was a junior B league it was considered in USA hockey terms but you had a lot of kids committed to hockey schools ECAC programs um, playing in it before they kind of took their step to you know I guess tier one or eastern junior or even some kids the prep school um, and I saw myself uh, at a young age loving hockey um, I was getting better um, I was doing fine in school um, I went to a uh, Uh, Private school my whole life, and then I went to a a private Catholic school before going to uh, a boarding school named uh, Holderness School up in Plymouth, New Hampshire. Um, And I went there originally supposed to go for two years, and I went as a repeat junior. um, And outside of hockey, I I actually loved it. I was quiet uh, at the time as as a person, Um, and you know, looking back at my time there, um, and I'll get into the hockey part, but I found it really set me up, uh, not just with academics but just you know time management you know uh, critical thought like it, it honestly was the best year of my life I thought it really developed uh, me into into the person I am and kind of the go-getter I guess, I would consider myself um, hockey wise we weren't very good um, but it was an opportunity for me to go there and kind of make a name for myself I did really well I was actually just looking at it with an old teammate from there I think I had like 700 shots or something like that in, in like 20 games it was something crazy but it was good for me. Um, and I had an opportunity to go play uh, in the Eastern Junior Hockey League for, for the New England Huskies. So I had all my courses for the clearinghouse and graduation to, to kind of just become a senior again, instead of a repeat junior. Um, and that went on to, you know, me playing at the Eastern Junior League. Um, I had a couple of Division I offers that year. And um, I was also drafted in the USHL. Um, and I, and I actually talked to people that, Gave me advice, and, and their advice was go go right in, even though I was pretty young, um, to Niagara University, and um, obviously grateful for the opportunity to go to Niagara. Um, played a couple games, um, but you know it ended up not being a, a fit for me, and, and and I went on to play Division Three for my last uh, two years at the University of New England, which I had a great experience, had a chance to turn the program kind of uh, in a step forward with their great facilities and school, um, and. Along that whole time, I think people, you know, you look back and you meet a lot of people that are now working in the game. Obviously, guys that'll be friends for life, even if they're not, you know, working in the game of uh, hockey. Uh, but a lot of really cool experiences, got to live a lot of really cool places, visit cool places. I mean, um, you know, obviously, anytime you're playing junior hockey or you're living with your, your buddies, your teammates, whether it's prep school, some sort of midget program, it's a unique experience. Um, but also just kind of, you know, I, I, I know later we'll get into mentors, but meeting people that, you know, I still go to and confide in and, you know, ask for advice, um, build some pretty strong relationships there. So um, I, you know, love hockey. If you ask anyone, when I was playing, I loved the game. Could, couldn't, you couldn't get me off the ice. I love being, uh, you know, playing games, practices, whatever. Um, and I also just loved it as a as a uh, hobby, you know, I, I lived with, uh, who's, I probably considered my best friend, if not one of them, um, you know, at, at Niagara and UNE, uh, who was my best man at my wedding actually. And, you know, we would get back to our dorm and all we'd talk about is hockey prospects or this or that, or how to build this team and what we would do differently. It was just kind of, you know, not an I guess an obsession because I just, we just love the game. So I think that's one thing, whether you play or you get into the the business, like you got to have the passion for it. So uh, those were some common themes throughout my early upbringing. And to kind of round it out, I stopped playing obviously at the University of New England um, and I was lucky enough before I got into hockey, I I did a little bit of it while I was working my first job, but I got a scholarship to go to Northeastern and get a master's. Um, I I knew I got into law school, um, but I knew I didn't want to go and just, you know, even if I did it for five years, be a lawyer, like it just, I, I knew if I didn't have the passion for it or the conviction to, to say, Hey, I want to do something. I know I'm not going to be able to put a hundred percent into it. So I said, you know what? I want to have an understanding of the law. And I got a master's of law. Uh, I graduated with honors, graduated honors from UNE. And uh, to kind of, before I guess we get into kind of my career in the sport, um, it kind of came full circle, you know, knowing people and using people I've met to help me kind of get some ins and there was a lot of no's along the way but I felt like my playing career even though um, I didn't make it to the NHL or even professional I felt like it gave me a, a unique experience to understand the sport playing at different levels and obviously um, getting a pretty good education along the way and
1: also you know finishing like like I said with the Masters from Northeastern. Definitely I think it's a great story and a lot of people you know if you're a player early on you always think okay how do i get to the nhl what that's my angle if i don't make it to the nhl uh, what's the point kind of thing but i think when you really go through it you get to go to these different teams and meet these different people and learn lessons and if you're fortunate enough to go to ncaa whether it's you know division one or division three um you know get some education and kind of find yourself as a person throughout it's uh it's such a beneficial thing to do and, and really that's for any sport you know you can Uh, learned so much along the way and for you personally all those lessons learned you were able to then turn into a career uh, which we'll get into now let's start off with your time as director of scouting slash recruiting with the Skipjacks hockey club at the u16 and u18 levels just talk about that whole process and uh, you know some of the differences in uh, you know scouting and recruiting for both age groups
0: yeah so um obviously um the academy model has evolved since, since I worked at the Skipjacks, it's become a huge part of uh, the U.S. hockey system. I mean, you have the academy in Boston now, you've got Mount St. Charles, you've got obviously programs like Shattuck still and, and just new ones popping up every year. Um, and some of them are doing a really good job. Uh, you know, they have dorms, they have uh, a rink on campus. So when the Skipjack started, they, they kind of were the only program at the time that were doing this academy setup where you train in the morning, you do your school in the afternoon, and it was really unique. Um, and obviously, you know, they split time. They originally started in Maryland and then they moved up to York, Pennsylvania. But at the time I was young, I was, I think, a senior in college when I started there. Um, it was like the summer, the spring or summer. They started the program. And they knew I loved hockey. I wanted to work in it. Um, two brothers named Jason, Jared Kersner. And they said, look, we are building this program. We have so much to do. They announced it in like April of that. Uh, uh, and they were starting that fall. So they had a couple months and they, and they needed players. And they said, we also run, they run a uh, spring and summer program called Pinnacle Performance where they train Division One athletes, um, guys that are going to play Division One." So, so obviously they had all the right, uh, thought and, and were putting their time into what they could, but at the same time, they understood that we weren't going to have 40 kids from, you know, Pennsylvania, from Maryland, whatever. So, you know, they said, look, Colby, we could pay you this. You're going to, we're going to cover your travel. You're going to have X amount of dollars. It wasn't a lot. And I said, sure. You know, I just wanted to be in the rank. I thought, um, I could go and pick out good players and, and obviously, uh, you know, obviously I had to recruit them to pay tuition and things like that. So, you know, to give some, some people out there comparable, I guess it was almost like an admissions associate or almost like an admissions director almost because um, the, the brothers there, the Jer- uh, Kersner brothers, let me kind of, uh, I was, uh, to be honest with you, I'm shocked to this day. I think they probably saw something in me that they knew I could handle it on my own um, a little bit uh, because they, they just checked in with me weekly, obviously day to day as needed. Um, but they really trusted that I was going to go and do the job. And I think they just thought I'd do a really good job from the start. So I was lucky in, in them giving me the resources. Um, and if you look, what I what I got out of it was obviously learning on the job, um, picking out and recruiting players that could be a fit for the program that would help them be competitive, but then finding those five or six guys that, you know, obviously not only would make the team, you know, one of the better programs, um, you know, in the country, but also, giving the program advancement, which Midget Hockey is all about, like these programs should be about advancing and developing players. Um, again, going back to that conviction statement, like I really believed in what they were doing at the time. Um, I thought they did a great job coaching. Obviously there were pros and cons to the program. If, you know, it wasn't for everyone because there was an online high school component. And and that was something that actually developed before I was on my way uh, from kind of residing from there just because I didn't have enough time. But yeah, I was lucky where I was traveling to Chicago. I'd be in California, I'd be a Pacific district selection camp. I would go down to Texas. I'd go, I mean, you name it. I was willing to go anywhere. I would go on skyscatter and find the cheapest flights possible to get creative. How can I get here, here, here? Because I wanted to be in the rink and I, and I loved hustling and I loved, um, also just being honest with people. Like I, I wasn't out there selling things, um, that people didn't want to hear. And I, I think that's where I started finding the value in relationships. And I think, over this podcast that'll kind of be a reoccurring for uh, piece to to everything is you know relationships are really important and just making sure you're building that with whoever you're recruiting or scouting um, depending on what kind of role you're in but telling the players and parents because they're sending their kid from Alaska from Ohio wherever you know hey we're going to take care of them. here's the setup you know here's the honest truth and it just was a really good fit and it really kind of gave me a start almost like a, a bachelor's in hockey as far as scouting and recruiting goes. And over that time, I think, you know, the four years I, I did it kind of like in a part-time, full-time manner. Um, you know, I think we had 20 Division I players, guys yeah, like, I know Patrick Giles was there. Um, he's at Boston College now. Joey Strada was going to go to ASU. He was a really good USHL junior player. I think he, he's playing pro in Sweden. You have Christian Felton, who's at Bentley. Uh, John Malera played there. He's at Maine right now. In um, the list, Aiden Harper, committed to UMass um, you know, guys that just kind of also were off the beaten path. I said, Look, I know I'm not getting the Michigan kids there. And um, so I, I went and really found kids that were playing double A. Joey Baez, perfect example. Tampa Bay Scorpions, when they were double A at the time, you know, he came and he got a, a commitment, a full scholarship. Um, he's going to armies and Lone Star now. So um, outside of the success and the learning experience, um, you know, those guys, like I said, taught me things because they had worked and had friends in the ushl division one and they also kind of i guess gave me a little bit of a mentorship as far as hey you know this is how things work in the ushl and this and that and we tried to emulate that so it was kind of my first taste that you know if i want to work at a higher level you know i need to be organized i need to manage my time i need to be smart um, i need to have a strategy when it comes to scouting recruiting and i kind of like i said it's it's like someone hiring you and saying hey here's you're in this bubble you're going to recruit let us know what you need from us. Um, and obviously over the years, the team's got better and better and better. There's a lot of kids that'll be playing college hockey, not just division one, but division three. Um, and some of those kids are still in touch with me. You know, they're still asking me for my advice. Um, obviously, I mean, you know, again, built a good relationship with those kids that they still at nineteen, twenty, are, are in touch with me. So um, like I said, I have nothing but positive things to say. And um, when I left, it was just because I didn't have enough time to continue working there. And,
1: I had to focus on uh, what I was working at Dubuque at the time. So yeah, great experience. Yeah, it it sounds like a tremendous experience. And I think whenever I talk to people who are looking to get into industry, uh, one of the things that I always say and I've heard from others is go to a place where you can have a little more responsibility, Um, you know, even if it's not as glamorous as a major junior or or something higher, uh, you know, get to a place where you can really uh, ask the questions and see where your interests and your skill sets lie. And it sounds like that's what that opportunity was for you uh, to get out in the world and, and see the games and talk with people and build those relationships, yeah. as you said.
0: Well, yeah. One thing I'd add, like just going off of that is I'm not, you know, obviously I'm not big on like, Hey, I need a job because it's uh, you know, tier one, USHL, or, or I need to be in college or whatever. I'm big on, you know, I love building um, programs, teams, I love getting into the thick of it, all that stuff. But at at that age, when I was working there, I'm big on just doing a good job. I feel confident now and I'm still learning every day, but I think for people to understand, like do a good job, like put in the work. Um, Trust me, I wasn't getting paid a lot when I started there and obviously gradually, you know, got better as I went, but you know, like I was all about, look, if I recruit these kids and they're committing, someone's going to recognize it at some point. Um, I want to help kids too. That was part of it. Uh, I also enjoyed, Hey, I'm working in hockey. I'm you know, early twenties and I'm traveling to, you know, San Francisco to watch hockey players and recruit them. And then I'm going to Dallas, Texas. So, uh, I was just, you know, enjoy the ride too, as you go. Um, because, you know, you're, you're going to be at different places at different times and you don't know how long it's going to last. But I think the root of it is, I think people want to go here and they want to go there. And how do I get here? It's like, you know what, well, while you're where you're at live in the present and put all your efforts into where you are. And, and then when you get to the next place, cause you earned that opportunity or someone recognized your, your abilities, like then repeat that process.
1: You know, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it does. And You know, you're able to learn so many things in that position and and scouting was a a very big component and just the skill set of evaluating players. So your next step uh, is in the USHL. You would scout with Sioux City. Just talk about the transition to that level and maybe how it was a different experience uh, scouting now in the USHL.
0: Yeah, so I did that for one year. I had someone call me, um, who was an advisor at the time, and he put me in touch with um, Kelly Larson was working there and I think he was the assistant GM at the time. And he, and I met him when I was playing. So going back to relationships, right. So I met him when I was playing, he was working at Lawrence university and he said, Hey, um, I was living in Maine still. And he said, you know, we need a guy, you know, scout, um, you know, New England, um, would you be interested in it? And, um, I'm all about learning. I love learning. I love learning new stuff. Like I I just want to get better and better and better. And I said, sure. Um, and to be honest with you, it paid enough, like it covered my travel expenses and obviously it wasn't a full-time gig. It was, you know, go watch a day or two or, or spend an overnight here to go watch these junior games. Um, and again, it was all new England based. Um, so for me, I, I felt like, all right, I've had some good scouting experience. Um, I did a good job, but the midget levels, and, and this was another opportunity to learn more and, and just, you know, again, be involved with the USHL team. But you not know, that at the time too, it was a first taste at uh, using like RakeNet net program. So Now it's, you know, you're writing reports, you're keeping lists, you're ranking players. I love rank that, by the way. I love just being able to track players. You see, you know, you go in, see a kid at 18, maybe you've seen him since he's 15 and read all your reports. I just, I think it's a very valuable resource. Um, So it was my first taste of using that, um, scheduling things on it. Um, So it was another opportunity to learn and also understand, you know, seeing which kids were phase one and kind of how it worked. Um, phase two, who are guys you are going to draft to protect maybe for a year out or upgrade to the list. Um, again, I wasn't all in. It was something where you're kind of, again, on your own and touching base with the GM or assistant GM. Um, I also was touching base with Mark LaRose at the time. So again, had a chance to work with good hockey people. And um, I think over a short period of time, I, I gained their trust. Um, and I obviously had some say in some, uh, some of the players that were drafted there. Um, and it was, again, it was another learning experience there, you know, are they hiring me to say, Hey, come run our draft at that time? No, but they were relying on me to, you know, at least have reports to verify some, you know, maybe some scoops or kids they've heard about and then coming to me and saying, well, what do you really think of this kid? So it's the first time you're, 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 you're being asked by a you know high level program to make a decision almost at least on your opinion of someone and, and making sure at the same time, I, I want to know that I actually have a good opinion on a player. So I spent time going to watch as much hockey as I can. I think that's one thing I think too, that'll come up throughout this podcast is, you know, again, don't go waste your time, but but go watch as much as you can to make sure, you know, like, Hey, if I'm going to say this player is the, the best of this group or that group, like, well, have I seen the 20 other guys, you know, and am and, and I like putting in the work, you know, because um, you always find that, there's people that'll say, Hey, I got this guy in Boston. He's unbelievable. Well, what is he unbelievable compared to? And, and I, you know, again, when I was in Dubuque, I said, you know, I need to know like who's in Western Canada, who's in, you know, who's the West, the West coast, the prospects of the United States and the East coast the Midwest and HPHL and tier one because you can't really have an educated decision until you kind of know your whole region. So at that time it was New England and I made it my kind of priority to make sure I knew, who all the players were and, and had my opinion on them and my lists and my top, you know, at the time, I think it was just, hey, who are your top 20 guys and top team for this or that. Um, and I just made sure that whatever, you know, I could do to make sure I felt good about my list and, and could have educated opinion, then I did whatever I could. So again, learning curve uh, to learn about USHL and be a part of uh, management, uh, but also to little things like RinkNet and, and using that kind of thing. So it was a great experience. Um, it was only, I think, for a year or a year and a half. But like I said, again, another opportunity to learn.
1: Yeah, and you definitely would learn in a scouting position, just getting in the rinks, talking with people, going through the reps, as you said. But another experience you had was actually in coaching uh, at Skidmore College as an assistant slash goalie coach. Just talk about, uh, you know, the experience of doing that side of hockey operations and more coaching and kind of what you learned in your short time there.
0: Yeah, So, so one thing I'll add about it is like, going back to you know obviously a lot of these jobs when you start out people I mean I'm, I'm sure you heard this on I think you said you've done 50 of these like you, you don't make a lot of money so I said well how can I find a way to like you know do these part-time jobs even though they're full-time right everyone knows part-time but full-time part-time money full-time job but um, and I I was lucky where it was NCAA compliant to still be the Skip Jack's kind of recruiting director in the spring right so it would be a four-month job and that paid okay money. And um, I wanted to do something more, um, you know, at the NCAA level to get more experience. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to do this and it's going to be, you know, two or three years and, and hopefully make my next step to uh, division one. But so I'm getting out of college a year and I'm trying to find a job. You know, I'm looking at prep school, I'm looking at college, NCAA, um, Div- division three, prep school. And I'm I'm getting a lot of no's, right? And I'm like, you know, I feel like I have a good resume. My master's was almost done. You know, I I had some experience with with uh, Sioux City and Skipjacks, and I thought I'd done a nice job. And, you know, obviously I'm calling and calling and and I had a kind of a relentless pursuit, which I which I feel like I still have, and it's a it's a good part of of who I am, but. I finally met someone through, it was some, it was actually a, it's a, it's a famous prep school recruiting app. And I can't think of the name right now, but he was coaching at Trinity Pauling at the same time. And he's now he's the head coach at Skidmore. And he was, uh, I'll tell the story here, but he, you know, he said to me, he called me from Trinity Pauling and said, Hey, I really like your resume. You know, I think there's going to be a change in my own personal, uh, development or something like that. And he said, let's keep in touch. You know, it'd probably be 48 weeks. Um, he liked me, uh, I guess I think as a person uh, on the phone and, and kind of, saw I was passionate and really wanted to work hard. So fast forward eight weeks later, it, you know, he, he kind of, I guess he kind of led me on, but it wasn't for Trini Pauling. It was because he became, um, uh, the head coach, uh, where he went to college at Skidmore. Um, after I think he spent four years as a head coach in prep school at Trini Pauling. Um, so Rob Hutchison becomes the head coach at Skidmore and he says, you know, I'm looking for an assistant. I think it paid like $12,000, uh, which is obviously not very much. And he said, you know, I want to, I want to interview you, come down to Trinity Pauling. So, you know, at the time I was, uh, I was excited and I was like, well, wow, is going to be awesome. And I made a, a booklet of, of uh, player reports and, and a, almost like, here's what I could offer. And my thoughts and a proposal almost and, and i put this portfolio together and obviously my resume was at the end of it and some references and i show up i'm obviously in a suit want to be professional and uh i meet i meet rob at this little diner if anyone knows prep school kind of communities they're, they're very small the towns and typically and there's not much going on so this little diner that has like three tables and you know i'm in a suit and he's there and he's he's you know he's pretty casual profi- you know uh business casual and you know, we have a great chat. I think we talked for two hours, maybe maybe almost three. And um, you know, long story short, there he he gives me a call and and uh, you know he says I want you to come and work for me and and I need someone who's young and hungry and wants to you know is passionate about the sport. And I just said on that phone call, okay, sign me up. So that summer, I moved to Saratoga Springs, which is uh, is an awesome area. Again, a great uh, year. I spent my life uh, living again, going back to experiences. And I said, "Look, I'm going to come into this." And obviously, I thought I—I I found that I was actually pretty good scouting and recruiting. I, I had some natural ability, but you know, again, I wanted to keep pushing uh, the experience and learn and whatever I could do. Um, and it was unique because Rob came into it. He never coached college. He was at Trinity Pauling. I, th- I want to say it was at least six to eight years. You know, all those times he, he didn't spend as a head coach. And it was his first time coaching college. Never mind being a head coach right off the right out of the gate. And the program, to be honest with you, player wise, it wasn't very good. Um, they, they definitely had a lot to offer uh, student athletes at the division three level. They played in a very good league. Um, now at the NEHC, which is, you know, I think they usually have four programs ranked in the top 15 um, schools like Norwich uh, and Hobart, um, you know, but Babson. So we take over the program. He's younger head coach. I think he's in his early thirties at the time. I'm in my still in my early twenties and I go, okay, Rob, like, I'm gonna go and just drive everywhere recruit 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 and sleep on people's couches and whatever and at first we thought we we're gonna bring in four to five guys and you know but by the end of the year you know we're bringing in 13 players to, to kind of bring in our own culture and it's and you're learning as you go week to week and you know at division three you know we didn't we, we obviously had to cut some players uh, the next year I wasn't there but uh, obviously with to, to kind of make room for all those guys but at the same time, it was just kind of, it was, it was a need. It was a change of culture if you're trying to build a competitive program at that level. But my personal experience, obviously you're, you're learning how to recruit division three is a different animal. That's some schools you can go and they have all this merit money and academic money. And it costs like a 10,000 and a school like Skidmore is based purely on financial aid. So it is an, it is a competitive and kind of unbalanced uh, playing ground, but, you know, I, again, building relationships and making sure I thought, look, I need to educate players on what this opportunity is. And I had this little cubicle off as I remember it now, and I'd be down there from nine to six when I wasn't like on the road or, or we weren't playing games. And then and, and Rob would come down and I'd just be on the phone, you know, shooting it with kids, talking about, hey, Skidmore, great spot, Saratoga Springs, what an education you're going to get here you know you're gonna you want to study business well this is one of the top programs in the country kids just didn't know what it was um and it's a again great spot to go if you're a division three student athlete um and i just said you know what that's what i need to sell that's what i need to build a relationship around obviously besides them liking me uh liking the head coach liking what the program's all about and i just really valued and, and learned how valuable that was uh so long story short those 13 kids come in um I, in that spring, uh, Dubuque at the time heard, you know, I was kind of a guy that was just relentless and all over the place and just wanted to work in the game and was passionate. Um, so we'll get into Dubuque later, but I, I, those kids that next year helped the program to its second ever national ranking, um, uh, which is pretty cool and pretty unique. Again, only been ranked one time before that. Uh, and now they've been a pretty competitive program ever since. As far as the coaching goes, obviously, you learn a lot about video. You learn a lot about, you know, a relationship between a player and coach and how important that is, you know, never mind the recruiting aspect. But once they're there, you know, at that level, typically they're there for four years. Um, So, you know, they want to know you care and things like that. And it it was a little different because I was there for his first season and there was a transition almost. It was almost like a transitional year. Uh, But obviously, I also, you know, I had a chance to kind of be hands on. I was young, so I knew my role. I knew I wasn't gonna be running practices and things like that. I was, you know, I would be running drills, but I, you know, look, I know that you, you come and you're an expert at certain areas. So I felt like I was really good at recruiting and obviously I could work with goalies and the goalies that that year, one was, uh, was all conference goaltender and he had struggled the year before in um, the next year. We'll get into that too, the following year. Uh, he ended up being a, a all rookie and eventually all conference goalie as well. Um, and obviously he was someone I recruited into the program, very good goalie. Um, so I found though, just around this part of my, my, my career out is I knew I wanted to be into the scouting, recruiting, um, aspect of, of, uh, working in hockey. I, I, I like coaching. I don't love coaching, uh, at that level. I, I, I obviously that year I was lucky because I spent a lot of time on the road because we needed players. But I knew, you know, I think people will find, and that's the unique thing, like do jobs, like do different jobs and understand what you're passionate about and what you're not passionate about. Uh, And I think it'll kind of steer you in the direction that you're going to find one, you're good at, two, you love, and three, you want to pursue. uh, So you're not kind of in roles that you don't feel like you're going to be able to put a hundred percent of your time and effort into.
1: Yeah. Early on, you definitely want to have all those experiences and and really see what you like and it was evident even in a coaching position that you were uh, really invested in the recruitment and, and finding those players that could succeed and build the program. And you talked about it a little bit there, but you would go on to join the Fighting State uh, Saints sorry, uh, soon after. And you had the opportunity to work as the Assistant Director of Player Personnel and later the Director of Scouting. Talk about the, uh, the difference this time around in the USHL and uh, some of the things that you were involved with in those roles.
0: Yeah, so I mean, in this transition between Skidmore and Dubuque, um, I think, again, just for if people are listening and want to get into hockey, like, you cannot substitute hard work, and I think that's a real reason why I've been able to gain different opportunities and, and kind of, I guess, advance and be able to work at higher levels. Um, you know, I think if you ask anyone about me, it's like, again, the passion, the hard work, but it really, there's no substitute for being in the rink or, you know, like flying somewhere and then having to drive six, 10, 12 hours or whatever it is to go see a player. Um, and I think Dubuque, um, the, the coach and GM, well, the coach at the time was Jason Lammers, And then the, the, he was director of player personnel, Kelly Larson. And they just knew that I was working as hard as I could and was good at what I was doing and had success where I'd been. And they're not like it was anything crazy, but. I just was kind of putting a, a little resume together and they gave me an opportunity. They said, Hey, come here. We need a guy that's going to run around. You know, if we need to see this player and, and I'm doing this or that, then and, and you can go and and, and whatever. And I said, you know what, sign me up. Right. It's like another opportunity to learn. Obviously everybody knows Dubuque's a great organization, um, even considered among major junior uh, leagues. So um, I get hired and you know what, like I thought I'd get like kind of thrown to the fire as far as like, Hey, I was going to do this and that, but, to be honest with you, like it was literally from the start, I was going to NHL, NHL in Texas and prep school in Boston. And, and I was going to Western Canada and here and there. And it grew over time to more and more and more to a point where, you know, I was kind of like, I was at a point, where I was like almost running the draft. So uh, I took it as just like kind of a day-to-day week to week thing. I obviously built a relationship uh, more so with Kelly Larson and, I think the, the, the mentorship piece to that was him giving me a lot of autonomy and even bringing a, being able to bring ideas to him and even ideas on, hey, let me go here. I, these players I want to see, I think they'd help us and whatnot, and, and obviously understanding, again, we're, we're trying to be the most competitive junior organization, you know it, it, not just within the USHL, but competing with major junior teams Um, And it gave me an opportunity, again, to understand, you know, again, we talked about scouting at the USHL level, but now you're actually on the management management side and you need to know the players, you need to know their backgrounds, you need to talk to the coaches. Um, Even when you have kids on your protectors, I was big on, we need to recruit these kids still, we need to, you know, make sure they understand like, hey, it's not just, hey, we have a position for you here next year, but what we're all about you know, what our setup is and, and making sure they feel the love and, and feel good about it. Like anytime you're a recruiting player, whether it was at Skinmore or USHL, the player needs to feel good about it. They need to feel like they're going to be in good hands. Um, so so I had a chance to learn all that. Um, obviously working one one year, Jason Lammers and then uh, Oliver David um, had built a really good relationship with Oliver while I was there. Um, great guy, passionate about what he's doing. But my experience there was it grew over time where, I mean, I spent two weeks in Alberta living in a hotel in a a Marriott in Calgary because we, we were in on Benning and Savoy um, and and Sanderson. um, And I, you know, I had to go see them at NAX and edge. And, um, and that was a cool experience. I I watched the whole Alberta junior hockey league. Um, I did trips like that. I mean, I got to a point where if you look at last year's roster, you know, um you have guys like I saw Reese Gamer play and I, I called Callie up right away and said we we need this kid like he's unbelievable you know I made I had a trip up to Canada and obviously you know his story is, is told on his on his own with his play about being player of the year 40 year now at North Dakota um being in the rink going back to how crucial that is I mean you know I'm in the rink in Boston one weekend and again relationships my old junior coach um Nate Bostic, uh, he tells me about Mark Cheramita maybe wanting to make a switch from BU and you know him coming back to 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 um, the USHL and us obviously being able to draft him and him having a great uh, season uh, before going we Ohio State. So I think what I'm grateful for in my time in Dubuque was obviously I got to help run an organization and get more responsibility each year. Eventually, I think feel really feeling like I was a a one of four that ran the team and program. Uh, but also you understand, you know, Hey, this works like this because of this and the draft and, you know, you don't make trades because, uh, you know, um, we have players lined up on our protective lists and things like that, that can come in, um, and fit this need or the before and after kids. And you just learn a lot. I, my time in Dubuque was more, I looked at it as like a master's in hockey. Um, I didn't think I was going to go there and it meant like I was going to get a job and, you know, the next level, because I was in Dubuque. I I looked at it like, again, learning experience. I know I'm advising now and helping players as as far as that goes, but I I had that opportunity to do that four years ago or three years ago and two years ago, but I went to state in Dubuque because I said, I'm just learning. And, And I think the other part of that is you're learning to, you know, player personnel. So you're understanding how to match players up and their potential and, understanding why this player you know maybe he's uh, his body's not mature yet but he has IQ and ability and you know that's kind of weighs over a lot of things at times Uh, and then also understanding like how to fill roles like where do we go to get a player for an immediate need and you know understanding what's available and you know maybe you know having scoops on kids leaving college or kids that are going to get pushed back on the college front so the other side of that is you're, you're building relationships. I mean, I have relationships with people in Western Canada, just because of my time out there um, across the North American league, because we drafted a lot of kids from there, you know, obviously out East because I grew up there and played, but also because I drafted players like we drafted Alex Jeffries and he played for one of my old coaches and, you know, he went right into college from gunnery. But I mean, like that's another guy who I got a phone call about him because of an old coach. So you really understand relationships. but I think the biggest thing, you know, you learn when you get an opportunity like that is is obviously being able to to help build a program and understand what it really takes. But I think the other side of that is if you're not willing to put in the work and you're not hungry, then you're not going to make the most of that time and opportunity. I looked at it as like a vessel to, to kind of learn and just take on as much as possible. And I said, I'm going to like Dubuque, as long as I didn't say no, I was going to go here. I was going to go there. I was going to go there. I said, I want to, you know, I don't want to just take someone's word of mouth. And I said, I'll you know, Matt Koprood, we got a great tip on him about him being interested in the USHL. And I said, you know what? They they, they might have been out of the playoffs, and it was like late in the season. And I said, you know what? I'm going to fly out there, and I caught three games, and I took a ferry to go see him. And actually, I didn't take a ferry, so took a ferry to go see somebody else in the Nanaimo. And then I came back, and then I drove all the way to trail through those mountains and stuff. It was a crazy trip. But You know, I said, I'm going to go see him with my own eyes. And, um, you know, I think that's the other important part. Like you have to be willing to go do things and to make the most of an opportunity if you're working in the USHL, um, because you can learn a lot and it's as much as you want to learn as long as you're willing to put in the work.
1: Yeah, that's a great lesson there. And like you said, you can get these high level positions or get these uh, more profound positions, but unless you're putting in the work to match the caliber of level that you're at, you're really not going to learn. All that much so it's good to hear that you had um, the drive and the positive experiences all in that position but even as you're talking about uh, scouting players and working on the team there's always a component uh, from what you said about working with the player and, and finding a fit for them and, and seeing what their thoughts and opinions are as well so it's only uh, organic that you would move into agency and consulting with uh, paragon sports so just talk about the experience of starting that, and uh, you know how your experience has been thus far.
0: Yeah, so just transitioning from Dubuque, like I said, great experience. Um, I got to a point where I thought I said to myself, I had interviewed with uh, the national team. I had done some stuff, like talked to some NHL teams, like, even some college stuff. Which that's saying, like, like hey, there were all these jobs. It's more like again experience to go through an interview process and at least put yourself through that practice. And it was, it was awesome. Like, like obviously did all those things work out? No, but you're like, well, it's just more things. Like I said, to put yourself through those paces and you know, my time in Dubuque was great. I loved it. I thought I was doing a lot. I thought I had a lot of hands on, I mean, a lot of the players I drafted with, within the organization, like did really well. And I said, you know what, I, I've been here for four years. And, you know, at some point you, you want to continue to learn. And I had built great relationships on the recruiting trail. I thought I had an understanding of how USHL organizations worked as far as building rosters, protected lists, 15 year old drafts, phase one. I thought I'd also had a really good understanding of how other teams built their teams within the league and also in other leagues like the BCHL, how it worked, Alberta, NA, And I said, I felt ready to take on players and help them, um, whether it's uh, the mentorship part, dealing with uh, transitional uh, periods of player development, uh, but also being able to make phone calls and help them with uh, college resources and junior teams and USHL and and whatever else they needed. Um, And I started Paragon Sports Consulting after I'd left Dubuque. And I had this vision of, you know what, like again, new experience. I'm gonna obviously I feel like I have a really strong background to do this. But at the same time, like just like Dubuque, just like Skipjacks, just like Skinmore, you are you are learning on the job. Um, and and you know, you have to be able to think on your feet and put in the work um, and have new angles and things like that. But my vision for Paragon was. You know, I saw there was a lot of uh, player advising and, and even agencies. And there's first off, there's a lot of I dealt with a lot of them, and, and we did in Dubuque. So I'd say there's there there are great people that do what I do, and and there's you know obviously just do your homework with whoever you go with. But there also are a lot of people that I think just you know they I would say they do it half fast. And I said I want to do uh, Paragon Sports Consulting. So I want to again, my, our kind of tagline is redefining player advising. Um, and I had a vision where just things where everything's done the right way. Like I'm relentless again in my pursuit. Um, I wanna have, again, everything from, again, outside of hockey, website, marketing. I wanna be professional in my communication. I wanna be organized. I wanna wanna be able to schedule phone calls with parents and make sure I'm consistent and reliable when it comes to that. I wanna be able to build relationships with the players. Um, Even if I want them to be able to come to me if it's stuff unrelated to hockey or if it's related to school. and really be all in on, on helping players and using, again, my uh, knowledge and experience uh, to help them with their path forward. And and hopefully that is, you know, playing at the highest levels. Um, And our company, again, my company based in Chicago, um, I moved here during my time in Dubuque because it is a central area. And again, outside of being able to, I think I have a pretty good understanding Dubuque gave me of player development, like you see a lot of kids go through this and you see what works and what doesn't and, you know, what kind of kids maybe need the slower development path and which kids are ready for that accelerated one. Um, I felt like, again, to be uh, Paragon Sports Consulting, I'd be able to make sure that we're looking at each player's career and laying out options and kind of having a multi-tier approach to it to make sure the cover's best interest is, uh, I'm sorry, the player's best interest is uh, covered as they go uh, each step of a, of their career path. Um and in my experience as far as um using all of all of my past stuff in my network of context is making sure parents understand too. You know, I think some people don't understand it's more than just sometimes talent and ability. It's understanding that there's a maturity level, there's a there's a mental approach to this um and in informing the player and parent. Um and like I said, I'm also relentless when it comes to recruiting. Like I want uh, to work with the best players I can. And it goes back to it. I'm I'm big on just doing a good job. I felt like I knew when I started, um, you start, you know, making phone calls and recruiting players and, you know, you, you get a lot of people that say no, and that's okay. Um, but I, you know, I knew at some point players are going to say yes. And next thing you know, you're doing a good job and it's word of mouth and you continue to recruit and people see that your company's growing and, you're, you, you know how to handle a player's career and parents like you. And, um, and, and next thing you know, the player pool is getting better and better and better. And now you're dealing with very good players and, and eventually, you know, you're going to deal with the best of the best. Um, so that's kind of how I looked at it. Nothing happens overnight. And even my time in Dubuque or Skidmore or whatever, I knew, again, you're, you're not running your own business, but your responsibility is going to be added to your plate more and more and more until next thing you know, you're, you're, you're a co-peer, um running the team. So, uh, that's kind of my vision for Paragon sports consulting is just, we want to do everything the right way. Um, I care, I'm passionate. Um, it's all I do. I don't have another job. I'm not a lawyer. Uh, I don't coach hockey skills. I don't do anything like that. Uh, but you know, I'm going to be consistent, reliable. I love traveling. Like I said, in Dubuque, I, people that know me know I was everywhere. They love being in uh, rinks anywhere across North America. Um, and the same thing goes for parent sports. Like obviously there's a recruiting component to, to continue to get better and have players advancing, but it's also to help our players and understand where they fall in that kind of personnel piece. Um, you know, it's one thing to call a coach uh, as far as, Hey, I got this player. He's so good, whatever. Well, how do you really know that if you don't know like what his peers look like? You know, you can't just recruit players and not really watch everything else. And I think that's one thing that gets lost in this. Um, and I love just knowing players, anyone that, you know, that likes to call me and talk about hockey. You know, I, I have a pretty, uh, good, uh, I pretty good knowledge on players 15 to 20, cause I, I just watch hockey all the time. So that's, I think that's a unique piece to, to my business. Um, so again, just to round this out, it's, it's helping players with development. It's doing things the right way in a professional manner. And again, I just care. Like I love, I love my clients. Um, players that don't choose to work with us I'll be the first one to say I wish you good luck obviously I'm bummed at times but I just know hey I want to see the player have success either way um, and, and like I said if you look at all of our marketing materials and, and our uh, vision like you've asked is, is I think it's much much different than a lot of people doing what I'm doing
1: yeah it's really good to hear uh, you know the experience that you've had in the past have been able to translate into such a position and understanding the landscape and the different things that go into the team selection process and, and all these different areas with school and having, you know, gone through some of the experiences yourself, it really helps when trying to transfer this information to players and even more so parents who, uh, you know, they're investing in you and and using your guidance to uh, ultimately help their, their kids succeed. And uh, a lot of people don't uh, have the experience in that area. It's kind of a different area from, hockey operations, although a lot of transferable skills definitely play into becoming an agent or an advisor. Uh, Just talk about maybe a week in your position. I know COVID-19 likely has changed your uh, regular routine, but maybe just walk us through a week in your role and some of the things that you have to deal with on a daily basis.
0: Yeah, I think too, one other thing I'll add about, uh, and I'll get into the week is, you know, to touch on a little bit more, like the team setting and you saying like my unique background, like I think that's a huge part of, of maybe what differentiates myself and Paragon from from some other people that do what I do is because like I said, I you'll be you'll be shocked. Like parents think this or that. It's just because they don't know. So, you know, I'm able to go pull up some data or things from Rinknet and make sure, like, hey, like your son's gonna be fine, like he's on the right development path and we're, we're gonna this is the right thing for him and, and understanding prep school hockey and understanding hockey academy setting and understanding why your son maybe needs a year in the north american league like we're we're not you know at the end of the day i'm not making decisions for the player but you know i'm gonna advise the player i'm gonna tell them you know hey this is again you know my background this is your option a b and c here's why i think this is best but, you know, being able to kind of go and, and show them, you know, information that really educates them on the process, that's what we're all about. Like, I want not just the player, like once he makes a decision, if anything, and it's, it's his original decision, then he's going to feel that much better about that decision. And then his parents are going to feel good because they were able to help their son make that decision because they knew uh, much more about the process um, when, it came, when it comes to, uh, you know, career decisions, whether that's junior organizations or college programs. Um, so yeah, I, like I said, I, I, think that's, that's a big part of what I'm doing and what I want to do. Um, and I, and like I said, it's, it's about, again, the root of it is caring. Um, but to walk you through kind of a week and what I do, I mean, my, my, uh, assuming there's no travel, my Monday to Sunday is, you know, I get on, uh, I get in my office, my right now, cause of COVID there's a shared uh, workspace in my apartment building. Um, and I get down there and I have my client list. I have, uh, if I have phone calls, I need to return. Obviously I I always, uh, you know, I'm good on returning calls and making sure I'm getting back to people, but it's about our clients. So obviously there's a balance to recruiting and clients, but the priority is what do we need to attack? What is on our to-do list? Go through our client list and make sure what does this player need? This player need. If, if, if there's a group of guys that don't need anything, then, let, you know, when's the last time we checked in with them and, and how are they doing and, and what's going on, especially in the world we're in right now. Um, you know I, again, going back to caring, like you know even if it's just a phone call like, hey, how are you doing? I mean that it goes a long way with clients. I know that. so that's a part of it. but obviously, as an advisor with uh, amateurs, there's a lot other there's a lot of other things that come up. obviously, you know, what's next in their career. Um, For some kids that's making a prep school or hockey academy decision. And and for others, that's picking a junior organization or getting on some junior uh, radars um, and obviously walking them through that tender draft process or letter of intent if they're playing in Canada or if that's their next step. And then we have guys, everything with the the college recruiting process, individual one, and, you know, helping them with uh, scholarship offers and, um, you know, walking them through that process in the clearinghouse. Um, There's also the other side of it of players that need that, that at request or or feel like they need a new environment to be traded, or we have kids that get cut. I mean, that happens, right. And and what's next for them to continue their development and being there and being consistent and reliable um, and them knowing like if something uh, positive or negative happens, like I'm going to be there. I'm a phone call or text away. Um, But you know, my week to week, that's, that's what kind of engulfs me. And then um, recruiting wise, you know, I have a whole system as far as how I like to recruit and, um, you know, setting up phone calls with families. And um, obviously even if it comes to me again, without COVID making a visit somewhere, I'm not, a, I'm not afraid to get on a plane to go shake someone's hand or get in a car. Um, one of my very good players right now uh, uh, from Michigan, I mean, perfect example of again, going back to relationships, you know, I had been recruiting him and I said, you know what, like I think what's going to get this done is me getting in my car watching him on a Wednesday. He played Michigan high school. He was a player of the year in Michigan high school. And I said, I'm going to get in the car and, and just go shake his hand. And I said, you know, the face to face and, and all that stuff. I, I didn't care. So I drove like four and a half hours. The game was, wasn't very good, but I stood outside and, and uh, met him and um, honestly it sealed the deal. So uh, recruiting wise, whether it's in person, I need to get on a plane. I need to go meet someone. Um, obviously that's a part of this uh, job. Um, so, you know, scheduling trips, that makes sense. Uh, if it's recruiting or scouting new clients or also making sure that trip makes sense where you can you know, obviously have some face time with your current clients and obviously monitor their development. I think that's another aspect to this um, is you need to be in the ring, even if it's not a weekend to go recruit, you have to be able to, you know, see your players a couple times throughout the year to understand how they're developing, where they're at in their player, uh, in their process, um, to understand what's going to be really best for them. I think there's some people out there that say, Hey, you got to get to junior as fast as you can. And like, there's some great levels. I mean, it may like, look, there's kids in college right now that play prep school that went right from prep to, to college and they're doing fine. And I know they're, they're, they're some of the you know higher end players, but you know, there's levels that help bridge the gap sometimes for certain players, developments that, Would really benefit them than just saying, "Hey, we got to rush you to junior." So, you know, being in the rink and understanding um, those uh, the the, the clients and where they're at is is going to help you do a better job and inform parents and players on on what they what they should be doing, what they need to improve. Um, There's other things outside of the traveling component, Um, like we use Instat uh in stats awesome we all, like i said a lot of our junior players more and more midget in prep school and hockey academy is showing up in there um and we're able to um just watch our you know players' shifts you know if we have a kid in western canada playing in the alberta league like i have some kids in brooks obviously a normal year i'm out there and you're gonna see them a couple of times but you know if they play 50 games now i'm able to go watch the 45 games of uh, shifts i didn't see you know and have a have a uh, uh, an informed discussion with my client on, on how they're doing and why are they having some ups and downs and maybe they're inconsistent. Um, so, you know, again, going back to putting in the work, I, I'm working, you know, I wake up and I, I, this is what I love. I love it. So it's not, to me, it's not really work. I love waking up early in the morning, getting on my computer, attacking what needs to be done, figuring out ways, new ways I can help my clients, even with my company, what can we be doing to offer our players uh, you know, more opportunities for development resources. Like I said, we have preferred uh, service providers that mental performance, skill development. We use Goodman Elite when when people have questions about nutrition, strength and conditioning. You know, Paul Goodman's the Blackhawk strength and conditioning coach. He runs his business, Goodman Elite with his wife. So we're trying to push the standard and, and like I said, do things the right way. Um, and I think the other component of that is like I said, outside of video, um, communication and and being in the rinks is again, it's just passion. Like I said, I, I, I'll work until 10 o'clock at night until I, you know, feel like I can go to sleep and I feel good that I've taken care of what needed to be done for that day. Um, and I also, there's another part to it, um, obviously passion, uh, but there's also competitiveness. Like I'm very competitive, um, without, you know, in an ethical way. Um, I want to, uh, do, I want to be pushing the industry standard um, to the top. And I think that's a good thing for our players because they see we want to be the best we can be. Um, I'd want to be with a company that, that's trying to be as competitive as possible. Um, and I also, even though I feel in a good place right now with Paragon Sports, I always feel like there's someone um, chewing chewing at my behind, trying to, trying to take over. And even though that's not really the case most of the time, um, you know, if you don't have that in you, um, you're going to become stagnant. I think you're going to become complacent. Um, and I, and I, you know, I, 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 just, like I said, it's something that keeps me up at night because I want to keep getting better. And um, again, learning too, on my own, uh, I think the other part of the week to week, I think to, to round this out is um, I also find ways to um, educate myself. Um, I, whether it's reading case studies uh, books, I know, there's a question in here later on about stuff like that, but, You know, I I even like certificates, like, like, you know, look, there's, there's a great certificate on negotiation that I want to pursue in the spring. um, But ways just to kind of learn new things. Is that going to make me a master negotiator? No, but you're going to learn new ways, new approaches. And I think that's what life's all about when it comes to, um, if you want to continue to push the ball forward, whatever career you choose, you have to continue to educate yourself and find new angles and new ways to better yourself. So you can help your clients, and, and if they see you doing stuff like that, then they're going to feel better about working with you.
1: Yeah, that's uh, that's a great sentiment there, and that continual learning is always uh, you know a key component in any position uh, as you continue to move through the industry. But uh, you talk about continual growth and things like that. Uh, you've been able to see a lot of the U.S. hockey system. You know, you've been all over recruiting, scouting, and and working with players. As many people know, in recent years, and it's, it's been continual for some time, the US hockey system has grown, uh, whether it be at the NCAA level, uh, modern hockey, et cetera. Just talk about what you've seen in terms of growth and where you see hockey going uh, in the US in the near future. Yeah,
0: good question. Um, I think my time in Dubuque, we've seen like we saw U15 become more of a thing in the US. Um, it's obviously, a, it's, a, it's a prominent thing now. I think my first year in Dubuque, or the year before, it was like the first year it really started. Like the HPGL, had started a league. It wasn't very good, but there were some really good players playing it. And then the next year, it kind of really kind of established established itself. Um, I think the other part of that is going back to the academies and things like that. Those have really um, Skipjacks. I thought at the time were ahead of their time, and now I feel like they're kind of lower on the totem pole because. You have these programs that now have dorms they have actual school settings um you know they have brick and mortar education um and you've seen all these programs really evolve Hockey's become really expensive and there's a lot of players there's a lot of talented players out there and i think when i'm talking to clients and parents you you you, it's not just good enough to be talented anymore like you have to have someone who's passionate about the game that wants to get better that's putting in the time off the ice because like I said, when you get to that next level, like in Dubuque, there, there's little things that separate one player from the next. Um, so when I, when I'm working with players at the younger ages, like at 14, 15, 16, 17 years old, like those are crucial parts of your career development. And if you really want to try and, and make a career out of this, even if it's just the division one college, you know, I always tell parents to seek out programs that are really going to, you're going to get a lot out of the development because I, I, compare midget hockey even if it's at academy or whatever or even in western canada or AAA in ontario like it, i i compared to high school for hockey you should be a level where you're doing video you should be doing skills you should be you know learning how to play the game um you know with some structure not not overbearing but also preparation off the ice like you know you should have some sort of structured day um players should be held accountable on and off the ice because I think one part that players struggle with sometimes is, um, you know, that transi- transition to a higher level of hockey. You know, just, let's just use junior as one example. You know, a kid will play at prep school or AAA and they're the best player. Uh, maybe they played somewhere where the team wasn't very good um, and the coach couldn't set them. The coach didn't have time because he, you know, wore four different hats. Maybe he worked at the prep school and he did a million things or he's a lawyer by day and coach at night. And they didn't have skill development, they didn't have one on one, you know, talks or, or, or player interview or breakdowns. Um, and you know, that player will get to uh the BCHL, and and you know, next thing you know, it's uh, it's he's getting thrown to the fire and he's being asked to play a lot of structure, he's being held uh, accountable, and for the first time, he's receiving a lot of criticism, and that's a lot for players. Um, but I think you're always going to have that transition period, but if you're in a program where you can get a taste of that next level. um, And and they're pushing the ball forward in terms of player development on and off the ice and even as a person, um, because obviously youth hockey programs have a big effect on on I think just even just people, uh, you as a human being. Um, I think it'll lighten the blow because you're gonna be better prepared if you do your work and find a program that's gonna really help. And obviously that doesn't mean the program has to be expensive. It just means someone who's passionate about coaching at that level and someone that really wants to help players become better and really cares about the people that they're there, that they have on their roster. Um, so obviously there's a negative two, I guess, side to it. I, look, I'm not going to speak of programs, but I think there's some programs out there that you go to and things are kind of done half fast. And, and obviously I, I try to steer our clients away. If, if there are any red flags, the programs like that, but it's like any business there's good businesses and there's bad businesses and you just try to find the programs that or or the businesses, I guess, you know, hockey's become such a big business, but you try and find the ones that are doing things the right way um, with people that care um, and and that have a a track record of of developing uh, uh, players uh, onto the next level.
1: Yeah. Such a key component and uh, you know, developing can be on the ice, but off the ice as well. And even for players at those levels, uh, coaches can learn as much from them, uh, as they teach the players in some cases. And my friends at Hockey Resource, they, uh, they do a great job at connecting people who are looking to enhance their abilities in the game, whether it's video coaching, scouting, uh, different places uh, involved in hockey operations. So for anybody listening who's looking to get a start in those areas and looking to learn more from people as high as the NHL level, even down to minor hockey or just getting started in the industry, check out my Hockey Resource on Instagram and Twitter. Colby, for you, uh, you probably learned from a lot of different places, a lot of different people, but you've said you looked into programs and things like that for new ideas. What are some of your favorite books, articles, and even things like podcasts that you look to for reference uh, in your position?
0: Yeah, like, I don't know if I have any favorite books. Like recently I read, um, I read about like a, a prominent agency, you know, they have a, they have a huge book. Uh, it's actually, it's stories about CAA. Really interesting, um, and, and and I like books and articles that I put, or, or they're almost like case studies of learning about the ins and outs of of different uh, companies, um, like blue ocean strategy, blue ocean strategies, things like that about you know building a company and marketing and and whatnot, and also even I'll go on like Harvard Business Review and there's like case studies and sometimes it's just there there actually are some things about hockey on there, um, there's one about an NHL organization um and it really puts it's not just you know what you're reading to learn but it's also about something that's been put into put into action and what they've learned from it right so you can understand maybe someone else's thought process um i love uh, to be honest with you i'm big on i love like entrepreneur.com and things like that and and a lot of the stuff i read has nothing to do with hockey because i'm trying to learn new uh ways to think and critical thinking and, and ways to look at stuff from different points of view um, because I think that's really a bigger way like when you're stuck in your own thought process your own angle um, you got to be able to kind of bring new techniques and strategies and it's like I mentioned before continuing your education you know you get a lot of great books from when you uh, you know if you take a course or you go for a certificate or another kind of uh, graduate program Um, I obviously I've read things like Malcolm Gladwell I mean as far as you know, positivity and, and uh, mindset. I love John Gordon. Um, I love positivity and, and things like that. Um, I think it's a huge part. Um, and I'm also, a lot of those, the books we've mentioned, like I'm big on just how do we get from A to B? And I, and I don't like speculation. I like facts. Um, and I think that's part of why, I like where I, I kind of uh, lean to in terms of what I'm interested in reading. Um, and I'm always uh, looking to find what the facts are. And if it takes a phone call, Um, you know, communications key. And and if you read a lot of these books and even some of them I've mentioned, you know, or or case studies, like, you know, they're all based on, on evidence and fact, and, and, you know, having relationships and resources and you'll learn a lot from it. I mean, it's a lot of smart people. I mean, you know, even on YouTube, you know, you want to learn about someone like, go type that person's name in, and and like, you know, there's an agent uh, in the NFL named Joel Siegel. You know, I was just in a hotel in Wisconsin a couple of weeks ago and I, I wanted to learn about him. I thought he was an interesting human being. He's not too much in the media. And there was a great interview. I forget what a university it was, but they interviewed him in front of some students for like an hour. And I learned so much, you know, just from from hearing from his mouth and him being asked questions. Um, I love stuff like that. So I've, you know, I've I've looked things up on YouTube and interviews and whether it's transcripts or, 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 you know, recordings or podcasts. Um, or podcasts like this one, you know, you hear from GMs and stuff, you know, their thought process and their approach. And sometimes you agree with it. Sometimes you don't, sometimes it's something you never thought of and you can take all that stuff and put it in your toolbox and you can go and, 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 you know, maybe you put it into action when the time's appropriate. Um, and, and it's just more tools at your arsenal, you know, and it's like I said, when you stop learning or, or finding new ways to approach things, um, you become complacent and stagnant. And I think part of that is on who you are. Because like I said, I'm, I'm relentless. I love to learn. I love hockey. I love working with players. I love scouting, recruiting. And I love building my company. So, you know, if you put all that, if you think about all those things, well, you know, if you're not learning and you're not using new resources and talking to people and mentorship um, or people you can confide in, or, or I'm big on, even with Paragon Sports Consulting, You know, talking about just new ideas and referencing people. Like, look, I don't claim to know everything. I'm never going to be an expert at 10 different things. And when I hire someone or I, you know, like our marketing company, you know, they're experts at marketing. And I love getting on the phone with them every time because obviously I'm supplying, you know, besides what they do for me, I'm supplying content and things, but you learn so much from them. You know, you learn about, you know, why you do this or why you do that and and you know it's actually people that know what they're doing that are successful at it so for me whenever i'm picking up a book podcast um, article case study you know i want to see even if it's something that went wrong it's it's great to read and 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 kind of put it into practice in your own head what maybe you would have done differently right get yourself thinking and even looking at rosters like you know, you can go and see. Hey, this team was great last year, and and uh, just the hockey component here, just to mix it in, and now they're not very good. And you can kind of walk through that and say, well, you know, look at other teams and why they're having success, and just put yourself through a little practice and and you know, understand maybe they're 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 younger, older. Why are their older guys not performing and this and that? And I don't know. I just love things that are real and tangible, and and you can kind of like I said. Um, almost have a mock uh, idea or trial or, uh, you know, draft, you know, just so you can continue to, you got to put things into practice. You can't sit home and just read books and and become this uh, brain of knowledge because what I'll tell anyone is once you start working, once you start working, everything kind of goes out the window because, uh, you know, whether it's college, USHL, major, junior, you know, Things take a turn uh, in 60 different directions, and it's great that you have all that experience and knowledge in your head, but not, there's nothing that substitutes real-life experience. Um, that's, that's one thing I can tell you as far as books
1: and articles go. Yeah, the real-life experience really is key, and a lot of times you learn that from mentors or people you interact with throughout your career. For you personally, uh, I know you have talked about some different people already, but maybe just go over your key mentors and then the major lessons that they have taught you through those interactions.
0: Yeah, I'll start with just like general major lessons. Like I think, you know, you, you can't have your mind set up on this linear path. I even tell like our clients, like there's no linear path in the sport. You know, I think one is do a good job. Like whatever you do, don't just say, hey, I'm here it's my stop. It's going to help me get to where I want to be. It's like, no, like put the time in, put the energy, be the best you can be at that, uh, uh, at that stop. And hopefully you do a good job. And if you're doing a good job within the role that you are, you know, you, you are given, it's going to help the, the greater mission of success for, for that organization or program or team. Um, I think, uh, again, passion, No one wants to sit in a rink that's freezing or drive 10 hours or be on a flight and then a a red eye and all that stuff. If You don't really love what you're doing. I think people um, say um, they're passionate about the sport, Um, but if you really are, then all that stuff I mentioned and all the stuff I mentioned with my time in college and Dubuque, um, you know, like that that takes passion to just be like, this doesn't bother me. You know, I don't care that I drove 10 hours here or eight hours there and that kind of stuff, because I just love, I wanted to see the players. I I loved it. I love being in different ranks. Um, and passion is going to, like I said, want you to push the standard higher and and push things forward for yourself. And obviously that's going to benefit, um, the program you're working within. And I think too, just like hardware, I think some people think they work hard, um, and they don't really know what hard work is like when you think you're working hard, that probably means you should be working 10 times hard. And I was lucky, like, just to go back to my upbringing, like I, I saw my dad working his tail off. I mean, he'd be up at four in the morning and there'd be nights. He wouldn't go to sleep till you know, 11 PM. And I mean, he's running his own business. And, you know, I think that was really instilled in me uh, my whole childhood. And even as I was older, cause it just never stopped. And I just said, you know, whatever I'm doing, I, I need to work that hard um, because if, if you're doing that, it's going to, um, it's going to lead to a lot of opportunities, I think, because you can't substitute hard work. Um, and I think the other part is, like I said, I think the last piece is obviously relationships. Like, you know, I, I know it's cliche to say this um, and I think this will lead into the mentors, but, you know, like we just mentioned, like if we go through the debut roster, I think relationship wise, you know, like. Phone call about Jeffries. I went to see him. He was awesome. We drafted him. Phone call about chair. I'm actually in person, chair things like that. Um, you know, you have people that are, are you've, you've met when you were playing or met in other roles you were in and you keep those relationships. And and sometimes it comes full circle to, to whether it benefits you or the team you're with. And sometimes it benefits the other person. Um, I think the other part of the relationship piece is, is with the players and Understanding that you know players want to know that you care about them, and sometimes it's hard because you build a relationship and, and things don't work out, and you have to have those conversations. But knowing how to have those conversations and, and kind of give some positive reinforcement that there's that there is still a, a still a, a, an approach for the player's career to, to continue to push the ball forward. But again, relationships are key, and even for jobs, obviously, again, this is the cliche part. Um, I mean, if we go through my list of jobs, obviously I'm, I'm fortunate now to be running my own business, but I'm sure if I ever get another job, that's something that makes sense. It's going to be from some sort of relationship or someone that knows me and knows how I work. But, you know, Dubuque was someone I met when I was playing and kept a relationship in Sioux city, same thing. And, um, the skip were people I met when I was training as a, as a player still. And, um, you know, so on and so forth. Um, relationships are key and and they can benefit you a lot of different ways. Like I, like I mentioned, whether it's jobs, helping you with your job. Um, and and like I said, you, you gotta make sure you find a way to manage those relationships so you can keep them, you know, at the forefront and, and also, um, so they're authentic. You know, you don't call someone once a year when you need something, you know what I mean? Um, you're calling people to, to, to help them out, ask them how they're doing, Um, and and like I said, it's, it's keeping in touch. So you're kind of in that circle of, of your people. And I, you know, I think the other part is, is you're not going to know everybody. Like, don't be the guy that, you know, you think you're the mayor of of the hockey community. Like, you know, I, I always looked at it when I was in Dubuque, I knew a part of my time there was, I was having to meet people so I could network, but I looked at it and I said, look, I'm going to be on the road probably 30 weekends a year. And I said, you know, if I meet one person a weekend, that's new that I don't know, you know, now that's 30 new people in a year. And that's a lot of people. Um, and I said, you no, know, now you, you spend time with them, you know, you spend time in the rink, maybe you go to dinner with them, you know, maybe you hang out with them at a hotel and you've, um, you know, you, you've gotten to know some, some new people for your, you know, your contact list. So, yeah, I think those are types types of careers. I think going into mentors, um, I know that was a question you had, um, you know, I, to be honest with you, a lot of my mentors that I, I confided and asked for advice and help you know they didn't they didn't really you know I didn't really work under them um they're people that you know maybe worked in the game at one time and now they're not in it or paid and they're really people I just trust and they're smart people in my opinion some of them went to great schools like Ivy League schools and some some uh went to regular average colleges and some didn't even go to college but they're people that I just you know feel like again I have a small circle anyone that knows me um it's, it's uh, Obviously, I, I keep communication with a lot of people, but um, my circle of who, who I trust and things like that is, is uh, smaller than probably most. But those people I really go to and ask for advice. Um, and always there's always a reflection period uh, as far as when I'm thinking things through and my thought process and that kind of thing. But mentors, I, I mean, I, can't, I would be wrong to say, you know, I'm thankful for the opportunities of, of guys at like the Skipjacks, the Kersner brothers. Obviously, Rob Hutchison, who I still keep in touch with, and anytime I see a guy that's Division Three that I think would be good for him, I, I send them a note. Um, and, and obviously, in Dubuque, I mean, first off, it was only a year, Jason Lammers, Um, but Kelly Larson, who said, "Hey, you know, I'm going to hire you here," and and you know, he let me spend uh, thousands of dollars traveling all over North America to help build the Dubuque Fighting Saints while I was there. And that kind of what was nice to see was it culminated into a very good team last uh, yeah last year which I was already starting Paragon sports consulting, but a lot of the kind of the, the fruits of my labor kind of helped build a pretty, pretty strong team last year. Um, and, and obviously Oliver David, who I felt like at the time, you know, the last, uh, you know, two years, it was really the three of us with, you know, Matt Millar um, and Paul Cartland that, that ran the team all together as, as equals. And it was a really unique experience. And again, you get, you learned a lot as far as, you know, player management and, you know, operations and at the end of the day, trying to build the best team possible. And, and without those people giving you that opportunity and trusting in you, um, you know, you're, you're probably you know not learning uh, what I learned and, and was able to gain experience. And obviously that's benefiting me
1: today as a player
0: advisor at Pairing and Sports Consulting.
1: Yeah, for sure. It's always great to, uh, to have those people. And like you said, it's not always people that maybe you worked under. Sometimes it's just people that you've met and have given you a piece of advice that has helped you along the way. Or it's your peers in these positions that maybe you've helped them just as much as they've helped you. But uh, mentorship isn't always a direct linear uh, kind of thing, as you touched on a little bit. It's just, uh, you know, continually learning from different people and sharing your knowledge and helping others where you can. So as a final piece of advice and as a final question on the podcast today, if you could go back in time, maybe talk to yourself uh, when you were a player or maybe someone who's looking to get into the game of hockey, what's one piece of advice that you would give for someone who's looking to enter hockey operations in hopes that they will succeed?
0: Yeah, good question. I I know on a lot of the podcasts I listen to, if it's about career development or, or career entry, like this is always a question. And what I tell you is, is one is, you know, there's no, there's no rush to your career. Like, you know, you're going to spend time somewhere in one is getting in the door. And, And if, um, obviously everyone always says, Hey, it's who, you know, and that's, and that's great. I mean, that is a part of it, but if you look back at some of my first jobs, honestly, I was just kind of putting myself out there. And, you know, I said to, I would make phone calls and send emails and say, I can do this job. Like yeah, here's my resume, but let's get on a phone call and let me talk to you about what I'm all about and and tell you what I think I can offer you in terms of my value. And obviously I think it's a great opportunity for me to like learn from someone like yourself and um, just putting yourself out there as far as, um, you know, trying to put yourself uh, in front of the person hiring. But I know that's not always easy, but, you know, that would be one piece of advice. Um, You know, again, be relentless in your pursuit. Um, you have to be hungry. It's not just competitive on the ice. It's competitive for jobs. Um, and you can't be competitive if there's no substance to your career or your resume. You can't just say, I worked somewhere for five years and you know nothing really happened while you were there. I always tell people, and I, and I laugh sometimes, because a lot of jobs in hockey are a blank canvas. And you're hired, and it's what you want to make of it. If that's you being a prep school coach, a GM of USHL team, um, a scout, as much work as you want to put into that, which typically you are given a lot of resources and, and, or, or resources at least that you can make the most of, you're going to be able to create a pretty good um, opportunity for yourself to do well and obviously have, have maybe a little bit more um, to put on your resume that, you know, I recruited this guy. Um, we had this winning record. We made the playoffs every year um, because you were willing to go above and beyond and and create a canvas that, that really benefited you, you know, for an opportunity to advance. Um, I think it goes back to, you know, like I said, working hard um, and that kind of thing. And I think the other part of entering operations is, is make sure you're soaking everything up as a sponge. Like don't cut corners, you know, make sure you're, you're, you're paying attention and know any way you can help yourself so it helps the program or the organization like don't be afraid to bring up ideas or or opportunities that you think are gonna again benefit the program because like i said there were times in dubuque because i know you know there were some good resources there that i brought up ideas and um you know sometimes they said no and sometimes they said yes and i felt the ones that said yes were it was something like you know going to the NHL draft and and next thing you know, I'm, I'm in the draft room with the Edmonton Oilers, you know, which was an awesome experience. And at the time, Peter Chiarelli was a GM and having breakfast with him, And, you know, I learned a whole a whole lot from that because I was willing to kind of, you know, push for something like that. And obviously Dubuque was, I was lucky that they were willing to do stuff like that. And, and obviously I, it helped me and I felt like because it helped me it helped me do a better job for Dubuque. Um, and it's the same thing now, like, you have to be willing outside of that to push the standard it's it's like i wake up every day and it's like what can i do to be better today you know obviously if i see new ideas or people doing new things it's like okay i like that idea but how can i do it 10 times better um and obviously i I think the last part of this is you know again outwork your competition you know there there were times where i wasn't afraid to to be in alberta for two weeks or be in british columbia for 12 days or you know, be in uh, New England for a week to make sure I watched all these games and things like that. I, I look, I love what I'm doing, and that's kind of why I think I'm okay with doing stuff like that. And, and, and again, passion is a huge part of this. And if you don't have the passion, then you might get burnt out early on because you're going to have to do a lot of things you might not want to. Um, and even when you get to a position to keep that position, that high up position, if it's a general manager one day or director, player personnel or uh, assistant coach at a, at a high level, like you, you have to continue to do things that are not asked of you because, um, you know, that's how you stay relevant. That's how you stay competitive. And that's how you continue to do, um, you know, like I said, be, a, be ahead of your peers. Um, I think that's, that's actually a huge point is, you know, even when you get an opportunity and they're like, look, we're only expecting you to do this, this and this you know, do things that aren't even asked of you. Like, even if it's, it's just for your own good. And it's like, you're learning from it, like, like, or, or it's things that like the GM doesn't want to do, like, that's okay. Like go do them. Like it, and if it makes the program better and it makes you better, um, you know, doing that, I think what they're saying is, but like, do the 10% that, you know, or 20% your boss doesn't want to do. Um, I thought it made, any team or organization I work for better because I was willing to go always above and beyond. And like I said, I, I was always looking for ways to, I, I, I hate just being complacent with just like, Hey, this is okay. The status quo. It's like, well, no, like, like we were good this year, but I want to be better. I want to be better the next year and that kind of thing. So you got to have that drive within yourself. Um, but you know, once you're in it, obviously make sure you're building relationships um, uh, and you're also, like I said, you're learning new things and ways to improve yourself as a person. Um, and then, and then I think the last thing I round this out is be a good human being, right? Like be a good human being, like the people you meet, um, you know, you can't replace your character, who you are. Um, and like I said, I think, uh, if anything, when, when I get on the phone people, it's, it's always, you know, because I, they, they like talking to me because I'm passionate, I care, I love the sport um, and it's also that I, I just, uh, I also care about the people I talk to, right? So there's a human component to this that I think mean, you sometimes gets lost in all of it. Um, and also, you know, like I said, making sure you're, you're doing what you can. So um, like I said, promote yourself as, as a good uh, professional and also a good human.
1: Yeah, so tremendous advice there. And I think a lot of people will learn uh, from that piece of advice, as well as the conversation as a whole. And Colby, I just want to thank you again for taking some time out of your day to join me on the podcast and, uh, hopefully, uh, things go well for you here in the near future. And I wish you all the best moving forward.
0: Yeah, Ryan, I really appreciate you having me on. Um, really enjoyed the
1: podcast, love what you guys are
0: doing. And I hope everyone is, uh, staying safe during this crazy time with COVID and hopefully we'll get back to normal, uh, here sooner than later.
1: Yeah, most definitely. All right, take care, Colby. Take care. I'd like to thank Colby for coming on the podcast and sharing his experiences and insight. A lot of people will sometimes exclude agents from hockey operations as they don't realize the clear linear tie. But after talking with Colby today, we can see that he is a hockey mind through and through and that agents and advisors should definitely be in the hockey operations conversation. If you would like to get in touch with Colby to learn about his experiences, I encourage you to reach out to him directly or contact Podcast at Outlook.com and I can help make that connection for you. Next on the podcast, I'll be joined by Sam Robertson, assistant coach with the Barry Junior Sharks. With a couple more stops in the minor and junior hockey loop, Sam brings some perspective on the grassroots level, so be sure to check back on Wednesday for that release. Once again, thank you everyone for listening. And thank you for the support across our various platforms. We hope to connect with more people moving forward and continue to share the stories of those in hockey operations. As always, stay safe and all the best.